Welcome to episode six of the Emerald Gem. My name is Sean from Balcony Bridge. I'm here with Chris Anderson, the Pike Street drummer. We're on the high U docked here in Lake Union. We're right in the middle of the heart of Seattle. Crazy. Super excited to be here. We got to thank Jody Ram Sammy from Vivid Presents for hosting us here. Um, they have like regular events here on the high U, so definitely check it out. Come summertime, there's going to be a lot of music things happening here, so definitely be on the lookout. Chris, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, inviting me. I'm super excited about. I'm super excited about it. Hell yeah. yeah. Um. So we kind of met, like we didn't meet officially, but yeah. uh, Balcony Bridge was doing our thing where we just like set up in the park and we were playing at uh, Occidental Square and <laughs> yeah. in, in, uh, uh, Pike. Oh no, in Pioneer Square. Yeah. And uh, you showed up, and then I remember like this car just pulled up and was just kind of chilling there, and then you walked out and you're listening. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy. Like he's taking it in, he's he's reading it, like he's having a moment with it. Yeah. And then whenever we stop for a song, then you talk to us and you're like, yo, I do this too. Like you get out there, you're playing out there at a Pike Place Market on yep. Pike and First. Yeah. And you were you you definitely lecturing us a little bit, and I was yeah. there to listen to it, you know, because yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, this guy, like immediately knew, like okay, he does it, he works, he's a musician. Yeah. Like he gets it, and you're giving us like good advice. You're like. Like what y'all are doing is cool and it was cool we were just out there just playing doing our thing but you're like you need to be doing more for yourself like yeah. go where people are and that's a big reason why we play in the park is because like it's just bring the music to the people go yeah. where people already are and give them the music and play and see what you can do so yeah, you can yeah. get a crowd going and i don't know man i'm super excited to have you here because it's like that's how my band has like broken into seattle and built an audience and like yeah. cut our teeth and found like this magic for street performing yeah yeah it was crazy because like i was i actually heard you guys uh i stay at the wave downtown right across from the, uh the seahawks stadium and uh my window was open and i heard these melodies coming through the window and i was like man that's that's not a radio you know <laughs> so i'm like listening and then i was like well shit so i went downstairs and i'm smoking a cigarette and then i keep hearing it and i was like man where is it coming from so i hop in my car and i drive and i see you guys and then so I like pull into like the little courtyard and I was checking you out and I was like, yeah, man, this is dope. I was like, but like, why are you guys <laughs> just here with with two people out here? <laughs> yeah, right. So I was like, yo, you guys need to be actually where the foot traffic is because you're super talented. And then I asked them, are you just doing this for fun or do you want to get paid? You know, because I'm, I'm outside to get paid. You yeah. know, I love doing music. Yeah. But I also have four kids. So, like, damn, it's uh, it's real for me. Yeah, you know for sure. And, uh, but wait, you're supporting your family. Yeah. Playing drums. That yeah. is huge. Yeah. That's beautiful. I've been doing this um, for about not street performing. I would say I was for about 25 years. I've been in like the music industry from okay. Chicago to New York, L.A., New Orleans, Paris, Damn. Dublin, we like I was I was in a band and we like traveled and we did studio work and uh, those are B fifty twos right B fifty twos we worked with we worked with uh, Maxwell on Pretty Little Wings uh, Erica Badu we did Honey that track she has we worked with R Kelly damn on uh, the Chocolate Factory album uh, we got our um, introduction to the music industry with uh, Kanye's win mentor no id okay. and so no id heard of street performing and brought us in the studio to work on a song he was producing for ghostface killer it okay. was called iron uh iron lunges all right on his pretty tony album and so we laid the horns and the drums on that and uh ghostface put that out on his album then 50 cent heard the song and put the same song on this is 50 Whoa. when he first uh was dropping the, i think that was his second album and then uh kanye west 
took the song and gave it to Erica Badu. I mean, uh, Mary J. Blige like five years, six years ago, and she put it on her latest album. Damn. So that song's been circulating. So we were in the industry. Um, it was a nine-piece brass band, and I was the drummer. Hell yeah. Got four trumpets, two trombones, a tuba, a French horn. And we were doing uh, hip-hop music. You How does that feel like to be playing drums for such a big band like that? Like you got to feel like a badass, right? Because you're like, yeah, man. We, <laughs> we actually got the nickname "Bad Boys of Jazz" in the music industry because, like, uh, you know, promoters in the music industry they couldn't fuck with us because we were like, we were like real, we were like thugs that played instruments. Hell yeah, <laughs> coming out of Chicago. So we took that mentality into the music industry with us, and um, the music industry is a tough industry. Yeah, uh, they couldn't, sh- they couldn't shake us or. Uh, you know, really screw us over because yeah. we, we beat your ass. You know <laughs> oh, shit. It? Well, because I bet the music was good, too, right? Like, well, yeah, no, the music we made was, like, dope. Their father, uh, their the name of that band was Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, and their father, his name was Phil Coran. Okay. And Phil Coran used to, um, was a mentor for Sun Ra and uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Shaka Khan. Yeah. They would all come to his oh, no school way. of music in Chicago and uh, sit at his feet and learn music. Okay. So he was a pioneer on the ska music scene and, you know, esoteric stuff like that and, and the tones of music and the vibrations of music. Like a lot of those artists would, you know, work with him. Okay, and so he was their father. Damn. And so so our music was like advanced for our age group and the type of music we were doing. Yeah. And so a lot of industry artists, A-list industry artists uh, gravitated toward that sound. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, definitely. I love jazz, and it. I feel like the best players come out of jazz. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So that's pretty dope. How'd you end up in Seattle? A uh, girl. A girl. Really? I met a, <laughs> yeah. I met a girl in New York, and uh, we were dating, and uh, she got pregnant and moved back. Well, we. Well, we, yeah. She got pregnant, nice. and then she moved <laughs> back to Seattle, and I uh, had the baby here. Uh huh. And at the time, I was still on tour with Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Uh, Where were we, we all touring? We were about to go to Africa. Damn. We were going to uh, Lagos, Nigeria, to okay. perform with uh, Femi Kuti's, uh, Fela Kuti's son, okay. at the shrine in Lagos. And so um, I got into a situation with the band, and I I skipped going to Lagos, and I flew to Seattle. I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing this shit no shit, more. Shit, damn, and, really? Yeah, man. It was... Uh, it was some. We were young, and you know, there's some money issues going on. And yeah, a lot of egos back and forth. And How we, old were you back then? I was probably 26, maybe. Damn, yeah, 26, that's, that's two years younger than I am now. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> that's yeah. wild, dude. That's yeah. pretty cool, though. But yeah, it's the cool thing about bands is, um, if you got a core group and everybody's on the same page, and you got the right personalities, uh, you can really go far. You know, it's about personality types in the band if you yeah. can gel together mm-hmm. and then and then touring also brings out the real personalities in your band it brings out stress you it know does, like it trapped. can make you really uncomfortable yeah you know? you're, in a, you're in a car if you're touring together you're in like a van or a car for like these amounts of hours yeah and um just being in a band and everybody can go their separate ways, ways after band rehearsal, yeah. everybody can decompress in their own Absolutely. way. Absolutely. But if you're on a tour, every, you you're know stuck. everybody's ticks and triggers yeah. and shit. No, we uh, we did our first tour. It was only five days, and already we figured out that one of our members, I won't name who, <laughs> uh, is like, yo, yeah, if we do that again, I got to get my own hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, I need yeah. more space from you guys. Personalities come out. And um, so there could be some bad personalities in there. 
there's there can be some good personalities but bad personalities on tour could wreck a tour yeah you know or, or you know it'll, it'll mess up the music too now sometimes you know having a fight backstage or an argument everybody gets on stage and it's the best show ever yeah sometimes it'll, it'll take away from the music experience too it can That's also uh, hinder you from advancing in the music industry. Oh, because people will be like, I'm not working with that person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, 100%. One bad apple mess it up for everybody. That's true. That's if everybody's true. on the same page, got the same mission, got the same goal, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of success for uh, groups. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so tricky. We've been doing this for two years, and I just made like a little Instagram post today, like, oh, happy new year, and like did the like uh, photo dump or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Like in just two years, like we've had so many ups and downs mm -hmm. and we've grown so much. Yeah. Like one, it is a feat and I think a success that like we've been able to keep this group going for two years. Yeah. And I'm just like super thankful. And we've like grown a lot as people. Like, yeah. you know, we've gone through struggles internally with each other and we've gone through struggles outside of the band. But I think it's beautiful that like we're like stepbrothers in a way because or brothers, however you want, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Growing together is definitely key. The music will grow too. As the band grows, uh, the music will grow too. Yeah. And I tell a lot of different bands like um, outside of the music, just have dinner with each other and, you know, don't really talk about music. Just just, just hang out. Yeah, just hang out. And yeah. That's the best. That's the best thing you can do. I remember I met Quest Love. We were doing this show in Dublin, the North Sea Jazz Fest, really big, huge jazz festival they throw every year. That's badass. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we was doing it. We was hanging out in the lobby, and all these A-list bands are there. And I get in the elevator, and Questlove gets in the elevator, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you know? And he was, and I was talking to him, and he was like, "Man, you know, I heard about you guys. What's crazy is he said Dave Chappelle gave him our vinyl record, and no they were shit? they were listening to our vinyl record." a couple months before they got to um, Dublin. And so I was like, man, you got any advice for, you know, a fresh new band? And he was like, man, just just hang out with each other. He was like, just go to dinner. He was like, man, The Roots, we, uh, once a week, we just all go out to eat and that's just cool. chill. Yeah. And he was like, man, that, that's actually uh, attributed to uh, their success as a unit and a so sound. What, what was the name of the band or act that you were doing when you were playing that festival? Uh, it was Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Hypnotic Brass on They're still touring today. They've really? been touring for the past 30 years. So, damn. Okay. So, when did you find yourself with them? So, um, in Chicago, I was in college. I, w I went to the Art Institute, and they would street perform outside of the Art Institute. Okay. It was just all brass ensemble. Eight, eight brothers. They're blood brothers, too. Eight okay. blood brothers. It's actually like 16 of them. Damn. But the youngest of them are have a group. And so... um. I would see them and hear them as I was going into school every day um, downtown Chicago. And then one day I asked them, I was like, yo, you guys got a drummer? And like, you know, would you guys fuck with a drummer? And they were like, well, yeah, you know, drummers really don't can't match with our style. You huh. know, like we're, we're on some Cosmo cosmic shit. And I was yeah. like, no, nah, man, I think I can, I could think yeah. I can get in there. And so um, a couple weeks later, I seen them again and asked them. They invited me to their home. We did a rehearsal and, uh, they played a song called Jupiter, and it's online right now. Okay. Um, and it was like it was crazy. Yeah. And so like I killed it, and they were like, "Yeah, you, you're you're fit. in, you're in." Fuck yeah, dude! And so we started street performing in Chicago, and uh, I dropped out of school, man, and started Congrats. street performing with them. And we started touring. We went to New York and New Orleans, and and 
uh, L.A. and y'all were just did you just like figure out the tour? Did you have like a record label or something? Like nah, that? man, it was all independent. Like we were we would street perform in these cities. But the crazy thing is we would street perform in these cities and then get gigs from our street performing. Oh hell yeah! Like we we would like go to New Orleans on the weekend, end up being in New Orleans for like three months. Damn. <laughs> Same with L.A. We would be there for like uh, two weeks, catch a Greyhound to L.A. from Chicago, bro. With all your gear? Yeah, man. It was Holy trumpets shit. and. You know, trumpets and but your your drum kit, my drums, yeah, five piece drum set, hardware. Damn, put it on the bottom of a Greyhound. Oh yeah, you know, and then get to L.A., do a couple, go to Santa Monica or Third Street Promenade, and what was crazy is we were doing like high end parties for people in L.A. because everybody's got money in L.A. So they were like, oh, you guys can come play for our dinner, and the dinner be for like movie exec directors and shit. Holy shit! And so we got a lot of gigs from that. Somebody suggested we go to New York. And uh, we caught a train from Chicago to New York and uh, got upstairs. And I had never, like, seen that many people at, like, 12 noon, <laughs> like, in my life on the street. It was just thousands of people. And we were like, well, shit, let's just play right now. Yeah. We played, like, two songs. And uh, <laughs> what's funny is our first time in New York, we played, like, two songs. We had a crowd of, like, 200 people in front of us. Man at Penn Station, and that fat cop comes busting no. through the crowd. He's like, hey, hey, what the fuck's going on over here? <laughs> like, what the fuck? He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? He's like, we got Jackson State marching band over here. He's like, get out of here. Damn. I was like, man, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's so fucked up, dude. Yeah. Was that the only time that y'all ran into getting kicked out? Uh, So so then we knew we had to get permits to perform uh downtown um or anywhere in Times Square area. Okay. So permits were like, 15 bucks and you oh go to my your, god you was go to the local police station and get a permit for four hours to street perform oh well shit so we we would do that every day you know spend 14 bucks and bro we were making like three thousand dollars a day damn that's awesome we we're selling like cds and that was like the most money we had made like ever uh, yeah because chicago and versus these other cities we would street perform and at the end of the day you know we would split 500 400 bucks between eight guys we go to New York. Hey, you got eight people, yeah. Bro, and we're selling CDs. We were selling like 200, 300 CDs a day. We probably sold hand in hand like over 2 million CDs. Easily. What? I'm serious. Easily. Are you for real? Easily. 2 million CDs? Easily. Bro, we were, selling, we were selling 200 to 300 CDs a day, and we did that for like eight years. Holy shit. That is incredible. We're playing every day. Damn. Every freaking day in new york if it was raining upstairs we go on the subway do you think you can do that now yeah if i had cds to sell i could definitely do it but, i like to target high foot traffic areas like so i play the mariners games first yeah. and pike's a good area yeah. there's guys right now selling cds down by the uh waterfront i did have someone ask me if i had any cds and i was like no like bro they, people still use those people still people listen use to it. people use it you know vinyl records is coming back i'm just wondering like uh in New York, like, is that still happening, you yes, think? Yes, bro. Yeah. Definitely. They're sell, still selling DVDs on the <laughs> bootleg DVDs on the street <laughs> yeah. corner in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's a market There's a market for product, product period, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. A lot of bands, I do a lot of artist development with acts and, and you know, merchandise. Um, fans wanna, want something to walk home with at they the do. end of the show. Yeah, so I mean, like, I do. Like, when is. you're moved by something or, yeah. like, you're having an awesome experience, yeah, you want that memorabilia. Like, yeah, man. You want to have it, you know? There's, 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 if, you got, if you got a budget to make some product, you'll definitely make your money back. Yeah, but yeah. It's all about product placement, too. What do you mean? Product 
putting your product in, like you guys playing in that courtyard. Yeah. That was the dope product. The placement was in the wrong spot. Right. Yeah, Put I got that you. product on First and Pike, and mm-hmm. you guys got like $1,000 in like two hours. You think they'll let a band play there? Yeah. Fuck, what am I doing? Why, why wouldn't what they? The, what are you, oh, you going to say? Uh, dude, see, what is with like these little like minor barriers that you put up for yourself? Yeah. Like fucking excuses, you know? Yeah. Where you're just they like, let you guys play out there that night, and you guys are playing at like nine at night. Yeah, but there's no one over there. Like all the businesses are closed. Yeah, but it's still shut like down. nine at night, and it there's was. like a full <laughs> band playing outside. Yeah. <laughs> that's way past like the hours you could play. Yeah, that's for sure. On the street. We're going to be at Gasworks on Sunday. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And like no one bothers. I can't imagine like anybody like walking all the way out. Yeah, you know, Gasworks is cool. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. But try, try the Mariners games, man. Try the Seahawks games. Try so, Pike. So if I got it right, like you would just go set up for the Mariners games, and like people would be walking in, and you just be playing for them, and then people are leaving, and you're playing for them. Yeah. So the let in um, uh, is um, kind of tricky because everybody is trying to just get in the game and have that ballpark experience. Yeah. You know, so like the Mariners games during the sixth inning when everybody starts to let out. I got it down to a science, bro. Okay. During the sixth inning, all the families and old people start to leave the game. Right. Uh, during the seventh and eighth inning, uh, the younger crowd, and they're just all like out in front of the stadium chilling. Okay. And then the ninth inning, when the game's over, that's when everybody comes out. out. Everybody's yeah. drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, everybody's <laughs> a lot more giving. They're just dumping their purses in my donation. Bucket. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that's when you really want to hit them is on the let out. The let yeah, in yeah. is cool because people kind of linger around and chill. Mm-hmm. They're not as giving. Because they want to, you know, keep that $20 or that $10 for the hot dog they got to pay on the inside. Okay. So at, yeah, I got at the, you. when the game's over, though, they're just, like, throwing cash at you. And it probably works. Like, I mean, they see you when they go in, and maybe, yeah, they're in a rushing in the game. But yeah. then when they see you coming out, like, in a great mood. Yeah, and, like, definitely. Like, oh, yeah. Definitely. And I reshare a lot of people's stories because content is, like, key right now in this yeah. day and age of mm-hmm. social media. And for, you know, advertising your band or your business or your product. So um, I, I reshare everybody's stories to show from their perspective. Yeah. And, and that's um, nice to see, you know, like whenever uh, we see people's stories, it's like cool because we get to see it from how they're experiencing it. Because yeah. the strange thing is, is like whenever you're playing with your band or whenever you're out there, like you have no idea what what it's like for other people to experience it. You know? Yeah, it's crazy, man. I get a, like a lot of stories. I know um, I started playing the Mariners season in 2021 and a lady came up to me uh the end of their last season in 2023 and she was like man i was like gonna um uh i was gonna delete myself Damn. using these words because yeah yeah you know she was like i was gonna delete myself and i seen you play and i ended up staying there watching you play for like six songs and then um i seen her last season 2023 and um she was in high spirits she had like a, a new dude she's about a uh, fiance about to get married and she just gave me like the biggest hug and like started crying she was like man you just don't understand like what you did for me in that instance and i get a lot of like small stories not all of them aren't that extreme but there are a lot of people go through a lot of stuff and yeah. like music definitely um Is takes it? takes you to another place it makes you for you know for that moment in time when i'm playing dance with somebody you forget that you got bills or mm-hmm. your kid's a loser or like you know i don't know <laughs> so, yeah i mean but, life is fucking hard man yeah. and like we need music to like for our souls and to heal you yeah. know and to like feel it's definitely key right it's like definitely that's key that's why i really got into music because i was like i feel it yeah you know and i could put my emotions into it and yeah and then it became this 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 language and this way to discover 
like follow like allowing that to guide you like yeah. allowing the feel as you're playing to just kind of guide you through the music yeah. you know it's the vibrations of the music instruments like music was used for healing in a lot of uh cultures back in the day you know it was like it was like music therapy is like a real thing yeah the vibrations uh especially from brass instruments uh the tonality coming out of those horns and like i was saying um phil coran uh rest in peace but he used to teach vibrate uh vibrations through tones and um he would he would teach us like you know the art of music and how to heal people through music also how to put people in a trance or and or how to regulate your show format through tonality and which songs should go in which order to take people on this musical journey yes. with you, you know what i mean and like that feeling you're talking about if the band's feeling that feeling yeah the audience is going crazy their heads are exploding out there if once <laughs> the band gets in like that feeling you're talking about then the audience is just like going nuts right and you just open your eyes and you just see everybody's just going crazy you're like oh shit and that's a great feeling mm. and it's addictive too man that's like that stage feeling you know it is it is a, there's a nothing like drug. that no, there's no drugs like that <laughs> no dude it is exhilarating it's know? crazy and so like you you take that energy in and then you give it right back to the people and then it's, it's this conduit that's going back and forth and people walk away euphoric you know what i mean those yeah. goosebumps yeah you know that's the brain releasing this chemical uh down your spinal cord mm -hmm. and that happens in music too like you'll hear like let's just take for instance the national anthem yeah. Anytime the national anthem happens, you kind of get these chills. It's because the uh, the tonality of that chord structure oh, the, releases yeah. that dopamine drip down your spine. You get the goosebumps. That's where the goosebumps come from. It's all it's all in tonality and vibration. It's also just with that song in particular, like the power of just a person's voice yes. by itself. Depending, yes. You know, because I'm I can hear it now, yeah. like in my head, yeah. like whenever they're hitting, like the rock. Anthem. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, like when it's yeah. really loud like that, you're just like, wow. Definitely the person, because, like, Roseanne Barr can't get you those goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> she did it, and it was, everybody was booing her ass. Yeah, we were watching, I think it was Fergie, and she was singing it oh, at, yeah. like, a Lakers game <laughs> or something like that. And then, every, yeah. oh, it was a Warriors game. Yeah. And, like, Steph Curry was like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, man. <laughs> it could have adverse reactions. But, um, but, yeah, it's definitely in tone. So you were touring all over. You were playing in New York. How did you guys end up? touring uh was it the same band that made it and then you're like i'm done like y'all were about to go to nigeria and you're like yeah so the nigeria part was a, was the tail end of my career with that band before then we were we were doing a lot of a-list studio work um we got one song we we did it's called war and um that song was on hunger games like anytime no shit yeah anytime um you know, in Hunger Games, the guy that ran the talk show, he would interview the contestants that were yeah. in the Hunger Games. Yeah. Katniss Aberdeen, her, like, walkout theme music was the song we created. It's Holy War. shit. Yeah. Really? So they would play Dude, that. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's dope. And so we were doing a lot of, like, industry shit, work with a lot of industry artists, and also street performing in New York. We were we lived in New York, man, about eight, nine years. Oh, but you started in Chicago? We started in Chicago. From Chicago, we were street performing downtown um, on the Magnificent Mile uh, on State Street in Chicago. The crazy thing, they were building Millennium Park at the time, okay. and uh, we performed outside of Millennium Park, and they would kick us out of that spot really? you know, all the time. And then so like six years goes by, and Millennium Park invites us back to like perform on the main stage. No shit. Yeah, because we're getting all this traction in Hell New yeah. York, and we're getting all this publicity and stuff. 
So we went from Chicago to New Orleans to um, L.A. Uh, New Orleans was cool, but it was a different sound from the New Orleans second line type of sound. We were doing like hip hop, jazz, ska music, and it didn't cool. sound like nothing like New Orleans. They were just looking at us like, what, what is this? And also, street performing in New York, if you don't check in, check in as in like, um, if you don't know nobody in New York yeah. and like you're making money in like their little scene like you it's dangerous oh you know shit what I mean? like seriously it's like territorial in yes a way? it's territorial Damn. you know what i mean but it was like nine it was 12 of us <laughs> so you really could like fuck with us like that <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> so and then la was a little bit wide open we would go to santa monica boulevard and it was enough space where we can just get down in those different areas and we got a lot of opportunities in la and then uh somebody we went back to chicago Somebody was like, you guys should go to New York. And from New York, we started uh, touring around the world. We would get, because every New York's a melting pot. So we would get promoters that were just there on vacation and invite us to New York. That's how we met the uh, manager for the Gorillas, And um, she invited us to work with the Gorillas. Um did y'all go on tour together or something? Yeah, we toured with the Gorillas hella. <laughs> That's so oh, cool. Yeah, Tell bro. me about that tour, dude. Yeah, the tour was crazy. We did a couple tours with them. We did some studio work with them at first, and then we toured with them. They let us open um, for a lot of their shows. We did this, this one tour called, we called it the Super Mario Brothers Tour because, man, bro, we were playing like nothing but like castles. <laughs> what? <laughs> castles. We were playing like castles. We, fucking, we played at the Tower of London. We played at in like Portugal at like these like ruins. We played in like a Colosseum. Damn, I think it was in Rome or some shit. Dude, that's so cool. That's a dream come true, yeah, bro, right? It was, there. We called it the Super Mario Brothers tour. <laughs> and then Damon Alburn is the lead singer. We called him Dame Dash. He's like super cool. Yeah, He's a real good guy. Looked out for us a lot and like, yeah. gave us opportunities and shows all around London. The crazy thing, also, you guys should get overseas, man. I want to. Yeah, Dublin. Is really good for people. Bands. Really feel the music over there. Yeah, they appreciate it. They like they really, really listen. Do. Yeah, they do. You know, like the conversation afterwards isn't like this. You know, just, uh, just shooting the shit with you. They're like really engaged and like, oh, on that third song that you guys played, and you went to the <laughs> fifth chord. They like really, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're into it. But Dublin's definitely dope for bands because like all the promoters in Dublin goes to everybody's shows, and so like the whole audience is just like promoters. And then as soon as you get off stage, you're getting booked for something else and something else. I remember I met Macklemore like years ago, like eight or nine years ago. And I met him through O.R., which is his trumpet player at the time. Okay. And O.R. was like, yo, this this is Ben, Ben, this is Chris. And I met O.R. in New York as a trumpet player. And he Macklemore was like, yo, I'm trying to like see um, how to get bubbling in dublin so to speak like how do i get a buzz and i was like man so here's a couple of promoters you should talk to i was like once you go over there bro they're gonna keep you over there yeah and like all you gotta do is like just go and play at a at an event over there also london too man like london has a lot of open mics okay and so their open mics are like different from american open mics like their open mics like all, all bands are there and okay, like you sick. just set up yeah. And like just play. And once you do that once, bro, you're you're locked in. Okay. All hell you gotta yeah. do is that. All right, sick. What you are we doing then? <laughs> yeah, you don't even gotta like set up with a promoter. Just just figure out where the open mics are. Yeah. Get a hostel uh -huh. and do it. That's what we did. We did that in Amsterdam, London, Paris, 
we're standing like you felt shit. okay with like lugging your gear around and shit yeah man like i said it was like 12 black guys man like, <laughs> nobody really fucking with us you know what i mean <laughs> but um as an individual it's kind of scary because we were, we were standing in some sketchy hostels yeah but that's cool but yeah. yeah like 12 people yeah that's like yeah. a whole we had a crew exactly yeah and we you all have crew, each other's man. back and shit yeah we had a plan too i think we sold like i said the selling our uh, merchandise and uh the albums we had we had like three different albums out at one time at like 15 20 25 dollars we would sell them in sets okay yeah and that was funding a lot of our tour you know we would we would put money away to reproduce cds and then split the rest of the money mm-hmm. put money away to pay our rent or houses or rental cars yeah and then split the rest uh-huh. so you know we were fun making a lot of money but we were also funneling it back into the business of music yeah when you guys were doing it on your own um like before you were like touring with the gorillas or, like these big bands yeah um we all like you just like quit your jobs would you like end yeah, your, no, lease in your apartment that or was, what that was um yeah, so the 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 members in the band, they were all brothers. They had their own house mm-hmm. in Chicago okay. that their parents left them. Oh, and uh, nice. I had a mom. We were just, you know single parent mom, and I lived with her. But we were on the road so much, yeah, that um, yeah, we we could just all pack up and move. We nobody had obligations. A couple guys in the band had kids, but we were making so much money. Everybody was taking care of their families. That's awesome. We were yeah, we were kind of sad. That is beautiful. It's tax free money too, so you could Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we were we were making a lot and moving around a lot. So. Yeah, because you said that uh you guys just went down to New Orleans and ended up staying there for three months. So it yeah. sounds like like you gotta have like some flexibility to be like, yeah. actually we'll stick it around here. Yeah. And then I imagine when you got to New York, you're like, This is the spot to be. Yeah, and it's cool because like when you go to these places with nothing, um, you you meet people with um, opportunities for you, it's just like the guy that owns his boat, right? Yeah, you you probably wouldn't have met him if you weren't doing music. Exactly, no, one hundred percent. Because I remember Cafe Racer closed. Yeah, and people were like sad and talking about it. Yeah. And Cafe Racer is actually huge for our start because we went to an open mic and they let us. It was like an open jam, but yeah. they let the band get up there and do it. Yeah, and we we're like, okay, yeah, like we just got our full band complete let's go up here it's an opportunity to play on a stage and dude we ate shit <laughs> we ate we ate such bad shit the guitars were out of tune we couldn't yeah. hear each other and we yeah. thought we were hot shit getting up there because we'd been playing in the park yeah. and like we thought we were tight and then we just fell right on our face yeah. but we went back to cafe racer a couple months later and then we crushed it and i remember the sound guy was like that was super tight you guys sound awesome and then that's when we started to yeah. really take off and start playing gigs and, and yeah. get into the scene um, but yeah, I was like, you know what? I just found out Cafe Racer just reopened. It yeah. means something to me, that place. Yeah. Um, let's get, to, I got together with Max so that we could shoot that episode and I was like, let's do it at Cafe Racer. And then that's when I met Jody yeah. and then he told me about the boat and we came out here to the boat and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, let's do just, it. You that's know? how it works, B. So you're yeah. right. You know, like when you just like get out there and do it and you actually, I think you got to take it one step further. Like you got to put your heart out there by talking to people. Yeah, definitely you know? networking networking after events. You do the more people you talk to, the more avenues will start to open up cuz like after the end of our shows, we would make it like a priority to go to our CD table and then schmooze with the crowd. Yeah. Cuz like we were shit, we were like in these cities like homeless. One we one we were looking for somewhere to stay, so we were definitely <laughs> hollering at girls. Oh, no way. While we were there, but we were also <laughs> hollering at like couples and like just guys and, and women and, and people would, you know, we would let them know like, yeah, you know, um, you know, we're all going back to the hotel. We're actually here for like 
which is like first month here. They're like, well, how long are you staying? I got a, a spot over here. I got a spot over here. So people would like offer up their houses or like whatever they could to us. And that, and that would be like a lot happening overseas. People like, yes, bro. They were like couches. I mean, remember one time we were like, we were in new Orleans and it was like nine. It was like 12 of us in a one bedroom hotel. <laughs> and so we met this lady that had an extra house in New Orleans. It was like dope. And she let us stay in her house. So we were paying her we were paying her monthly to stay in her extra house that she had in New Orleans. Damn. Opportunities like that would happen in New York. We had we met a lady, we played her son's bar mitzvah, and she seen a street performing on the street. We ended up living in that house for um seven years in New York. Now Here's a cool story. That same house was the house that they filmed that Denzel Washington in American Gangster. Love that movie. The movie. The house he brought his mom to, his grandma to, yeah. and all his family. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that was our house. What? <laughs> that was Dude, our Dude, that crib. house was huge. Yeah. With that, was that big yard. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was our crib and shit. That's crazy. Dude, yeah. I love that movie, man. There's a lot of opportunities, man. You just got to, like, I, it's Money's printed and the opportunities are out there. It's on some like 49ers when you like digging for gold type of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's gold in this mountain somewhere. Uh-huh. You just got to dig for it. And once you find it, like, just keep tapping into that gold vein. And, you know. Exactly, dude. Like, I feel like we get so bogged down in like the idea of what it's supposed to be or supposed to look like, you that's, know? And that's the thing. It's whatever we want it to be. Um, if you tap out, if you unplug from what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, cause and just do it. You and know? Just do it and create it yourself, man. Because I've been saying that for a while with the guys, and I hope they're listening. It's like, we got to get back to the park. Like, we aren't just playing in the park as much. Like, we're getting yeah. too comfortable. We got a rehearsal space Fuck now. Fuck that park, man. You keep talking about this park. Yeah. No, do not go to the park, <laughs> okay. bro. Go <laughs> where the people are. Like, yeah. at that park. Listen, while you guys are back in that park, go... At least go to the park and make some money for your time. Yeah, I mean, we do okay, you know, maybe like a couple hundred bucks. That's good. It's not bad. It's not know, bad, like but you, you can make a couple thousand if you, you know, up, you know, That'd pump nice. it up a little bit. Well, I can nice. show you the way. Yeah, please do, because I think we're just like, we don't know how. Also, man, there's some bullshit that we got to get over mm-hmm. where we're like, we don't want to get permits. Yo, you, know? you don't need permits. Oh, what? Really? Here's the thing with the city. And the city came after me for like a year, bro. You know, I got like. Like seven thousand dollars in fines from the city of Seattle for for playing on First and Pike. Seriously, I have like seven thousand dollars in fines. I'm yeah. not paying that shit. Really? Because it's not illegal what I'm doing. Oh, you need a permit if you're set up at a Sound Transit bus stop location, fifty feet within a Sound Transit location. Really? You have to have a permit from Sound Transit. Damn, I didn't know that. On First and Pike, there's no bus stop right nope. there. And it's free to it's legal to busk in the state of Washington. You can busk. There's this guy that sued the city and like won like twenty years. It's like it was hamburger versus the city of Seattle. If you uh-huh. Google that, his case will pop up. Okay. And they tried to get him for the same thing. Now yeah. I could have sued the city, but I was like, nah, I'm just gonna I'm bringing people together. Yeah, spe- dude, joy. Yo, like like and if I'm the fucking like, main problem on the top of the city's priority list for downtown, like we're screwed. Yeah, that's some bullshit, man. <laughs> so, that's another thing, dude. Like we got kicked out for the first time ever when we were in San Francisco. We played uh uh, Mission Dolores Park. Uh-huh. I felt like I was on top of the world there, man. Like, 
there was thousands and thousands of people and we set up and right in front of us was like we set up on this concrete spot and right in front of us was this little strip of green and yeah. not a single person was on that strip yeah and we played and like it took a minute like maybe 20 30 minutes finally we filled it up it yeah. was like we had our own little festival concert yeah. going you could see like all of san francisco right behind me and i was like i am on top of the world yeah, and right when we're about to play like our real bangers to take it off yeah this park ranger shows up and she's like, you got to shut it down. Yeah. And people are like, boo, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, fuck this bitch. Like what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, like this guy comes out of nowhere and he's doing a wheelie on a dirt bike. Mm. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh fucking chaos, man. Fucking chaos is happening yeah. right now. It's cool. But that, that sucked. You know, it's like, why are you shutting this down? Like who's this causing a problem for? Yeah, like, exactly. really? you know, like, like you we're know, just they're picking up battles, you know what I mean? And then it's like, like, like what's like, what's really the deal? Cause I I'm out there bringing people together, man. Like, yeah. and I specifically went out there to bring. Cause I I started going out there at the end of the pandemic, and I was there was it was dead outside. It was like silence. Yeah. And I I was like, man, I'm I'm setting up, finna go set these drums up mm-hmm. downtown and see what happens. And slowly but surely, people were dancing and with their mask on, and then people hugging, and then they like, then I started playing the spot every day. And yeah. Then, uh, cause I was like, man, this is a gold mine right here. The first time I played first in pike i made like 400 bucks in like an hour i was like holy, holy shit, shit. Dude, that's lawyer money i'm like yo <laughs> i'm here every day <laughs> yeah but wait there's got to be like an issue with like competition to get that spot yeah so there was this one guy named piano man and i actually seen first in pike he was always on first in pike and that's what gave me the idea to play on first in pike and he had a piano set up like a little bit where I set up at. And I was like, well, shit, if he can bring a piano out here, I'm bringing my drums out here. Yeah. And so the next morning, I beat him there, and uh, I set up and played. Because all around the world, street performs the same rule. First come, first serve. Yeah. You're, if you're there first, mm-hmm. somebody else has to set up. And you can't set up on a person. If you set up on a person, that's disrespectful. You got to, like, go down or find another location. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it doesn't make sense to compete. You know, it's too much space. Let's just go find another space. Yeah. And so I set up one morning. And then he seen me, and he pushed his piano past me. He was mad. He was upset. <laughs> and the next morning, he showed up at like at like uh, nine a.m. And I was like, okay, he got me. Damn. Next morning, I show up at like eight. Oh. Next day, he shows up at like seven. I was like, okay, motherfucker, let's, let's see what's going on. I show up at like five in the morning, and um, I was like, there's no way he's showing up at like five in the morning. One morning, he showed up at like four. No way, because it's a prime location, yeah. bro. And so I was just, I was, it was just back and forth. And I would, like, show up at, like, 4, 5 in the morning, sit my drums on the corner at 5 in the morning, and I wouldn't stop playing till like, 11 in the afternoon. Okay, Because I don't want to play too early. But, I, you know, yeah. planting my flag. Yeah. So one day, Piano Man gets upset. My drums are set up right there. I'm in Starbucks getting some coffee. And um, he, he starts to unpack his um, piano, putting up his tarp, and I come out. I'm like, hey, man, I, lo- I know you see my stuff right yeah, here, bro. Yeah. Like, what's going on? He's like, F you, man. I'm fucking <laughs> oh. moving. I was like, come on, man, don't do this. Don't do this. Yeah. I was like, you're going to make it bad for the both of us. And he pulls out like a slapstick, one of those sticks that you extend and it like oh, spins out. Oh, yeah. And he like, he's coming at me with it. And Shit. I'm like backing up, 
I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> and I like pull out my gun. Oh fuck! <laughs> it's going down. And I like put it to his nose. I'm like, yo, now you did fucked up. He's like, whoa, bro. I got it. It's on my Instagram stories, bro. He looks at his stick. He's like, yeah, never man. mind. <laughs> it was crazy, man. That was crazy. The cops showed up. SWAT team. Oh damn. It what? was crazy, bro. Oh, they got nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, but we got it all rectified and clear. But Piano Man doesn't show up anymore. Isn't he an old guy? I think I've seen him around. No, his uh, his name's Jeffrey Circus. Uh, oh, okay. He's he's about probably late 30s oh all right because i did see like an old guy like at the market like playing. No, that, that guy plays like in the market that yeah. guy is like really cool he's been there for like years oh, okay years cool. and years and years yeah but uh he plays actually down in the market jeffrey used to play like right outside of starbucks kind of where i played now okay primary spot for me now yeah 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 no that is a good spot like it's kind of ridiculous how many people are just walking through there yeah man there's a lot of people that comes through that area that's the only area in seattle that really works for me in my setup just um just uh logistics wise yeah so but yeah seattle's dope man it is it's cool it's it's a interesting city that's for sure in the sense of like trying to figure it out you know um i think the music scene needs a little help it needs some uh, it needs some creativity it needs a little um flair and it needs its artists to just be different man i think hmm. i think a lot i think visually artists here think their dress is getting them over dress i mean style of what they look like on stage is yeah. getting them over interesting i yeah. think it should be more so focused on the music yeah is what should be getting you over make the music cool not what you look like for sure i you do think I mean? it's interesting like we're in a time right now where it's like i feel like there's a lot of really popular music out there that's a little overproduced uh -huh. i mean i like produced music yeah but it's overproduced and then it's very much like they're going crazy yeah with the shit that they're wearing you yeah. know like they're really leaning into the freak thing yeah, yeah and i think yeah. that's cool but at yeah. some point i'm like but this also seems like a product and kind of a gimmick yeah. rather than like this is a self-expression but thing. is it really selling anything can you can you turn that freaky image into dollars at the end <laughs> of the day which is gonna fund your advancement as a band because like the way everything's going independent now you have to fund your stuff if you don't yeah. want to sign like some crazy deal to a, a record exactly. label you know so if you just can't just be out here doing looks for free you know what i mean mm -hmm. I, I tell a lot of artists that i um artists develop i was like you can say no to say no to some things you don't gotta do every show yeah you don't you know what i mean or work on your music spend some time create a product sell your product Oh, I don't think people want to, you know, like, nah. Right, yeah, the little it. shy bullshit or just, yeah. like, putting up, like, an initial hurdle, and then you're like, that's an excuse enough to Yeah, not it's do all anything. in your head. Like, the, all the hurdles, your only competition is yourself. Yeah. There 100%. is no competition out here on the music scene because it's not that type of city. No disrespect to the city. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not a New York. Uh -huh. Where you got like a hundred oh. bands like in your genre. Yeah. That's just in Brooklyn. Even, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You got like 200 bands in like Queens. That's your genre. Same style. Same look. Right. Or Chicago mm -hmm. or even L.A. Like this is a small city. You can. Yeah. The competition in those cities is probably pretty cutthroat. Like people like who I like, went to school or have been playing for like 20 years and are like really, really good. Yeah. You know, shit like that. It's crazy. A lot of bands leave leave here, too, and get a lot of advancement in other states too um, yeah so and i think that's that's for every state you mm -hmm. know what i mean i also i think what i want for seattle is for it to be like world renowned again because mm -hmm. it seemed like it had a very brief moment in the 90s when it was like everyone knew shit was happening mm -hmm. here but now people are like what's going on in seattle i don't think Amazon? anything's going on really 
there's a lot of tech shit, but it's not known for his music shit. Yeah. And then the music scene is only being um, held up by a select group of bands or artists. They're the ones that's always getting these looks. Hmm. And and so like hopefully in July the city's um, contracted me to curate a music festival, and yeah. I'm gonna showcase those dope bands that aren't getting these looks. It's gonna be called Who's Who Fest. Who's Who's Fest. Who's gonna, Who Fest. Who's Who. Who's Who. Yeah, you guys are going to be performing, and it's right. going to be a whole host of other individuals that I think are dope that are better than these guys that are getting all these looks. And that's that's who the city needs to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's and definitely it, been some bands out there that I've seen at, like, some big local festivals, and I was like, what? Yeah, what? And they're always what? there. And they're <laughs> always there. They're always there. <clears throat> you just get tired of it because like, you know – Six other bands that are way doper. Right, yeah, like people who are like you know really putting themselves into it. Yeah, you know, like just like full stand, like they're throwing their bodies yeah. into it and their souls. You know. Yeah, man, you could tell it. I can tell. I can hear it, man. I can. I listen to you guys' music. I, I, it's dope, bro. Like Thanks. I heard it on like the fucking the 18th floor of my building, dude. You, so it's that like cutting is through. So, my, so I saw so I saw somebody's video once where we were playing at Cal Anderson Park and he was in his apartment with the windows open and just like filming in his apartment and like our music was flooding in there. Yeah. He's like a few blocks away. Yeah. I don't even know that this stuff is happening when we you, play. Bro, it's you know? dope. It's dope. And the fact that it drawed me out of my apartment into my car. <laughs> you know those cartoons where the, the scent comes across the person's nose <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they're like trying to find it? Yeah, yeah. It was like the same thing with my ears. But, bro, you guys got a sound, and like that sounds dope. That sound needs to be showcased mm-hmm. and, and, and put out there. And so, you know, I'll help you in any way possible. Um, Thank but- you, because I've been, like, doubting it, you yeah, know? Man. Like, it's hard not to. Like, this is a dark time of year, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I've just been, like, in a shitty place, like, with where my life is at and where it's going, and I'm just like – Fuck, you know, and uh, it it feels good to hear this and be reminded that it's like, no, the thing I'm doing is important and it's mm-hmm. having an impact. And and even though like that doubt can creep in and you can feel so sure of yourself that it's not what you think it is and it's not good or whatever, yeah. like you got to keep going and you got to do it. You know, even if you think about like where your life is at right now, you got to understand there's somebody that wants their life to be where yours is at right now. That's a good way to like maintain perspective. Yeah. That's so true. You know what I mean? We're, we're looking at. We're looking at celebrities, and we're like, oh, if my life could be just like that. But somebody looking at you on your Instagram and and wants their band to take that photo with the fucking crowd in the background. <laughs> they want to get to that point. Right. And then, you know, so it's like levels. You just got to be, um, I'm not going to say complacent, but you just got to be optimistic about where you are and the advancements of it. Look at all the shit that you got and have accomplished in the two years that you're talking about. Like, that's an accomplishment as a band that's only two years old. I don't know if you guys are two years old. Two years, yeah. Bro, that's pretty fucking dope. It is, yeah. You know what I mean? And just as, just as long as you're growing every year, bro, you're going to be set at, at your age. And um, there's a lot of, there's a, like I'm saying, there's a lot of older people <laughs> that's looking at that photo with your band and the crowd in the background. They, they haven't gotten that picture and they're in their late 30s yeah early 40s i'm fortunate because it's like i thought that it wasn't i wasn't going to get to this point i wouldn't have found this success yet because i was alone and i was just doing it by myself so i'm fortunate that like i found people to play with because that's a hard thing you know like you said the personalities dude like i've jammed with people and i'm like the music's good but you're a fucking douchebag yeah right and it's like so i'm not i'm not playing with you this isn't gonna happen yeah um so that to me, is like one of the most fortunate things that I've found people that are like my brothers now, my yeah, friends, you yeah, know? man, like dudes that I love and like 
it takes that to too. It takes that trial and error to like find this group that you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to go through those bad apples to get this bunch that's like really, really good. So you got to, um, for anybody out there listening, you know, you got to go through a bunch of bad people to get to the right people. It's very seldomly then you like just out the gate get with this core group or this team that yeah. has your back. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you do, that's like a blessing. But if you can if you can go through all the BS to get to this point and just take that point and then just connect the dots, bro. Like you're connecting some dots. Like this this platform right here is dope. The people you're meeting with and getting their stories out, it's creating other points that it you is, can yeah. connect, you know? And I'm, just I'm finding out that it's like when this when these episodes air, like people are, yeah, they're sharing it with each other, yeah, you know, and like they're talking about it, like, like your friends are gonna hear this, yeah. and then the people who already listen are gonna hear this, and like, like people have no idea you exist before yeah. this, you know, and I think <laughs> yeah. like you're a powerful person who's clearly had a successful career and has done a lot, and yeah. is like, y- you're you're a warrior, you know, you're yeah. a straight up musician, you're out there just playing, yeah. it, it, whatever the weather is, you're doing it, like yeah. I miss that man, I, yeah. this might be like some weird shit. But I miss the suffering out there. Like, when yeah, it's cold no, and it's yeah. raining. It like, turns you into who you need to be to get through this industry, man. Because this industry is, like, cutthroat. Nobody in this industry is going to help you advance. Nobody. And there's yeah. only a few gyms out there that that are humble enough to, like, help you out with the keys. Because, like, we've been in a lot of boardrooms and a lot of record labels. And, and the contracts have been terrible. Yeah. And, like would just be like soul wrenching and like just take everything from you. We were smart enough to go through every line of a contract with highlighters uh-huh. and be like, wait, nah, what does this mean? We're not signing. It's in perpetuity me. Like, nah, right. No, crazy. fuck that shit. Like, so like we missed a lot of opportunities by not um, doing a lot of things, but we also gained a lot of opportunities by sticking to our guns. Um, but yeah, there's I even the artists I tell that I'm help developing, I tell them to go outside because outside will humble your ass if you think you're the shit. That's so true, you know? Because, like, people, I think, you know, at first, and I don't mean to sound like an arrogant piece of shit, but people would, like, reach out to us and be like, oh, my God, like, y'all shit's blowing up. Like, how do you do it? What what do we need to do to get out there? And, you know, I'm like, this is it. Like, we just yeah. go out there and play. Yeah. But it does take, I think, a special person yeah. to you got to be fucking crazy. Yeah, to, you got to put go your balls on the concrete and let, <laughs> let people walk over it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like you're crazy. literally like, like if if you're really about it, and you're like yeah. burying your soul, and like you you yeah. know you're, you're doing it, and then you're getting rejected yeah, by man. people constantly. You know, yeah, because shows are curated to the artist. Like that's the artist's safe space. This is going to a music concert. Yeah, and like all the people there are for, for that. that artist. Exactly. You put yourself in the middle of downtown, mm-hmm. or just got I mean, in 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 fucking Arkansas. In a, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? You can either win them over, or you know, they're gonna be like, fucking get out of here, dude. Yeah. But if you can win those people over that that wants you to get out of here, mm-hmm. like you're you're special. Yeah. So put yourself out there. I tell all my all the people I represent, I'm like, yo, go outside, and that'll humble you. Cause like a lot of people I represent too, they're a little arrogant. You know, they've done a couple shows, they've had a couple looks, but I like what you how does this help you long term? Mm-hmm. Like these short looks, these short shows are just short. You have to set yourself up for the long term. Yeah. And uh, and progress from each one of these opportunities. So but outside of definitely get you on take those goggles off, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Like you said, it'll humble you real quick, definitely. you know. Like all the rejection and but it can also be incredibly inspiring like if definitely. you are able to 
hold people's mm-hmm. attention, especially in a place like America, where I think we very much have a sense of like, if I am going somewhere, I'm going there. Like, yeah. I'm not stopping. I'm not making a pit stop. Like, yeah. isn't that weird? Like, even if I'm just running an errand, it's like such a nuisance if like I am hungry all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I need to finish this errand or I need to just get home, like pulling yeah. over and eating Definitely. or taking my time. Definitely. Is like a detriment in this situation, you know? Because it's crazy. Everybody's going somewhere to stop a person in their tracks to stand there and watch you to even get them to go inside of their wallet or their pants pocket to pull out money. Yeah. You have no idea where that money's going. And for them to donate it to you, that like takes some some special some special sauce. Absolutely. And it's not just the, the, the type of donation because a person maybe is houseless and he's jingling the cup. Like that taps into somebody's uh, emotions when it comes to feeling either sorry for a person or, or seeing that that person's in a vulnerable state. Yeah. The other donation is the one where they appreciate what you're doing and they can see that, yo, it was some effort to bring out this full five-piece band, hook yeah. up this equipment, and the music sounds good. And to get them to stop in their tracks and sit there and check your music out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's some special sauce right there, man. Yeah, so, I definitely encourage anybody out there who's, like, playing music, yeah, go street perform. You like, definitely got it. At least once. It's liberating, too, because, yeah. like, you know, get out of your bedroom. Like, just go sit there, play on the street. And once you can get over, like, I don't care if I'm rejected or, like, yeah. not getting people's attention or I'm not making any money. Like, you're yeah. still playing music. And you're doing it in the world Mm -hmm. not like in a little shelter house Mm -hmm. or whatever you're doing it outside and i remember i was seeing when i seen you guys i was like you were like well yeah we got to practice i was like nah man you can get practice you can practice and get paid for it exactly yeah like just practice downtown on first and pike on that little spot practice right there and watch what happens yeah, we need some new it. spots, I think, do for it. sure. Do yeah. it, do it, do it. <laughs> some more high-traffic areas. I definitely yeah. want to start hitting the football games. You def- no, well, yeah, yeah. A little hit late. The, hit the baseball games. The baseball games. Right, yeah, the season's about to start. Yeah, bro, and that's like 86 home games. Damn, yeah, that's so kind of like, crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of dough if you if you hit it right. <laughs> Especially with product. Mm-hmm. I think you, And that's an opportunity for uh, the Mariners to um, – I'm giving you the blueprint now. Yeah, yeah. It's an opportunity for the Mariners to get a relationship with you, too. Because mm-hmm. once, once the fans start videoing you and hashtagging Mariners and you, that's how I got inside the stadium. The Mariners couldn't, like, couldn't, like, not see all the hashtags that they were tagged in and I was tagged in and T-Mobile Park was tagged in to the point where they were like, yo, bro, we're, you want to get on the Jumbotron? Hell yeah. Or we're going to make a commercial or you want to come in the stadium? And like so, like that opportunity helped, and and it was also a marketing scheme too. I was purposely telling people to tag the Mariners, me, and the T-Mobile part because I wanted them to see, yeah, like, I, yo, like I'm a part of what's going on. This is an experience right before people go into the park, and that that energy I'm giving them on the outside transfers over onto the players in the team. Absolutely. And it helps win games. Yeah, like 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think the Mariners had their best season like last season yeah, or two it was, seasons it was ago. Dope. Like yeah. And then even win, lose, or drive, even if we lost a game, people coming out of the stadium, you mm-hmm. couldn't even tell we just got our ass kicked. Like, <laughs> people yeah. were dancing out in front of the stadium, <laughs> yo. Yeah. I think they appreciated that as well. So. And what an awesome experience, dude. Like, you get to hang out at a baseball game and do the thing that you love. Yeah, yeah. You know? and if you could go through life doing what you love instead of going to work and hating the job, you know what yeah. I mean? I think it makes it, it gives you a little bit more time to live it out on this planet. You I know think what that's mean? what I'm struggling with. And one of the things in my life right now is like I love these passions that I'm doing, but they're not financially rewarding me in a place where I can be like secure and like yeah. content that way. And I love being that person who's like, fuck it. Like, I don't 
need money. But as I'm getting older, I'm like, it would make my life like. It's the same steps though with getting a job. Like you know, we go to we go to high school and then we go to college, and college teaches us the the skills to then get a job in corporate America, and then we get the job in corporate America. But like, there's no there's no like, no set structure to make this type of money musically. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but it's exactly. the same type of work ethic. Mm-hmm. You just have to put in the right amount of time and effort toward that musical. Uh, goal or career that you're trying to do and it will start to generate money there is a blueprint for it yeah that blueprint isn't readily available to like artists or musicians See, that's you know what, what i'm mean? hoping like this podcast can help with you yeah. know it's like for people to help be that blueprint or like a guide yes. like an information resource for people who are like yeah what can my next move be to like mm-hmm. try to make money like okay yeah street performing like yeah get your like merchandise all together yeah. you know and and i think another thing is you gotta whenever you're out there playing you gotta be promoting yourself saying like hey yeah if you're liking this come yeah. buy my shit because there's definitely money outside there's money out there all the time like yeah. anytime that's one thing if there's people outside and you have zero dollars in your pocket and you're a musician uh-huh. You, I can 1,000 guarantee if you go outside and set up, you will have more money coming back in the house than you <laughs> did leave it out of the house. Yeah, hell yeah. And if you could turn that, I mean, it's like it's like a fact. I've been doing it professionally and, and for, for years and have supported, bought stuff, businesses, taking care of my family with this type of money. That, I take it serious. So, you know, it's... I respect that so much, yeah. and I admire that so much. Like, you said you have four kids. Uh-huh. Are you married? No. No? Single? Single? Yeah. Ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're supporting yourself and your family. Like, that is that is a dream come true, you know? Like, that's, yeah. that's one life goal that I really want to achieve out of this, hopefully in the very, very near future, is yeah. that I'm, like, supporting myself and capable of supporting others. Yeah. You know, like, even... Even like my parents, you know, yeah. or my brother, it's like I want to get myself to a point where like I can really like support yeah. not only myself but just like give money to my family so that yeah. they are living more comfortably, you know. It's it's a process, man. Like um, uh, like it was a lot of trial and error to get to a point where I was able to support the stuff that I needed to support. But like um, but because I like I didn't have like a a, a guy, uh, like me that I knew that could show me different paths mm-hmm. or like, hey man, you know, if you go outside and street perform no we we like figured it out yeah you know what i'm saying so i think you guys like me showing other people a millionaire told me you become a millionaire by helping somebody become a millionaire that's that's interesting you know what i mean yeah and then he was like that's how i became a millionaire oh hell yeah you know what i mean so i think what you're doing is on some millionaire level shit because mm-hmm. like in in time the the ripple that it will cause will help somebody else out like this podcast we just gave people hella gems Absolutely. on how to possibly get more money in their pocket. Yeah. So, but you use this platform and you shop it and you sell it or you you create it or people see this and they create theirs. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? But you're you're already on to something. You just you just make it make sense to people that believe in what you're doing, and they'll give you the money for your dreams. Also, spend spend everybody else's money for your dreams. You just got to make it make sense to them, for them to invest in you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's tricky though, you know, because it can. It just feels so uncertain, you know. Because you, like, you, if you make it feel uncertain, if you doubt your idea, 
then nobody else is going to believe in your idea. You have to be over. It's like Kanye West. Kanye West is always super excited about his idea. Like, yo, I'm going to make some some leather socks, and it's going to be amazing. And he's excited <laughs> about it. And everybody's like, leather socks? Did he really do leather socks? No, I'm just oh. saying. Like, <laughs> whatever his idea is, he's really excited about it. Okay, I got you here. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I feel like sometimes like when I'm asking people to come to shows or shit like that, I feel like I'm begging. You know? Well, yeah, you can beg. You know, just beg in a cool, cool way. You know, you don't gotta beg them too. And if you gotta beg certain people to come to your shows, you don't want them to come to your shows. Also, like we, we right now, like right now, like the way social media is like set up, we're like all like want tens of thousands of followers. We need tens of thousands of followers. If I can get a hundred thousand followers, I'll be good. Oh, yeah. fuck that. Focus on the ten percent of the people that really fucks with you. The 10% of people that's always liking your videos, always commenting, always at your shows, just focus on that 10% and sell and give incentives to that 10%. That 10% turns into your core base and just fuck with them. Yeah. That 10% will get you the rest of the other people and just give them incentives to come to your shows. To yeah, you just gave me a great idea. Sell their music. That's what I'm saying, bro. Just focus on that 10%. You don't need – you get your 10% of your core base possibly giving you 9 99 a month to get maybe a pair of drumsticks from your last show, the set list from your show, new music exclusively. You get that core 10% at 999 a month. That's what, I don't know, 100 people. It's possibly $10,000 a month. I'm, I'm not doing the math properly, but uh, you know. No, I hear what you're saying. But you yeah. know what I mean? Just that yeah. 10%. That's mm -hmm. $10,000 a month times 12 months. It's $120,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. At this this core ten percent, you're not looking for ten thousand followers. You just mm -hmm. need a hundred of your followers to really fuck with you. Yeah. So if you can turn your followers into cash, you don't need ten thousand followers. That makes sense, you know. That's what I do. I only focus on ten percent. Where you guys at? <laughs> just focus on the ten percent and give them incentives, B. Absolutely. Yo, dude, I'm so happy to have you on here to like, cause I knew immediately I was like, I gotta have you on to like start the new year, yeah. cause like I knew what your energy was and I knew what you were about yeah. and what you got anything you're excited for for this year? Man, um, uh, this music concert in July is gonna be called Who's Who Fest. The new Mariner season coming up. I'm actually gonna be playing an Aquasock Stadium out in Everett, and um, just see me outside, man. And I'm 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 here, you know. Pike Street Drummer on Instagram. Hit me up if you want some jewels and gems. It's enough money for all of us out here, baby. It it's is, already yeah, yeah. printed. <laughs> it's already printed. We just got to get out there and get it. That's it. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up. This all has right. been awesome. Yeah, I got to have you back here again because I feel like we could just talk forever and definitely. just keep going, you know? Definitely, and, definitely. And uh, I'm looking forward to the Who's Who Festival coming yeah, up. Balcony Bridge is going to play. It's yes, going to be definitely sick. definitely going to be there. Um, big shout out. Uh, getting to be up here on the Hi-U. Definitely yes. check out the Hi-U. Thank you, Jody Ramsamy, Vivid Jody. Presents. Thank you, Max, behind the camera so that we could do this. It's freaking awesome. And thanks again to you, uh, Chris Anderson, for coming out here. No problem. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Yeah.